welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunt. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to do a bit of an extended Q&A with some questions that we've had kind of building up in the background that haven't really fit some of the other episodes, and I just thought it'd be good to actually... Yeah, address some of them yeah, whole, a whole episode on, on questions so it should be it should be a nice one yes yeah, so I don't want anyone to think that you know if they send a question in then we don't actually answer it that, that we're ignoring them <laughs> yeah, yeah this, is, this is this is your time to shine yeah uh, before we do that though uh, how's things been going with you since we last met up yeah dinner dinner a lot of sort of tech support um, it seems to be taking more and more of my time I'd say it was half the time I spend is doing sort of email and phone support um, which get a little bit crazy. Um, I was still working on new stuff for the timber beam calculator. I'm doing a little bit of consultancy work as well. So, so keeping really busy, really. Um, so, what have you been up to then, Steve? Uh, so, obviously, at the time we're recording this, I haven't been out to Kansas yet. But, but by the time <laughs> the episode comes out next week, I'll be in Kansas City in Missouri. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. At a conference called KCDC, and uh, I was doing a bit of research on the place because I've never been there before. I've never really heard much about it okay what i didn't realize is kansas city actually spans two states it spans half of the cities in kansas and half of it's in missouri okay yeah yes it can cross the the state Um, line and according to one youtube video i watched when i was researching it it must be true apparently one state has a different drinking age limit than another and there's i think there's this like street in kansas city where (laughs) on one side you're in kansas and the other side you're in missouri so so you get kids crossing the street going out and getting drunk because the drinking age is younger Uh, they're stumbling back home oh no yeah why not so that should be a lot of fun so i'm teaching a one-day workshop out there and a talk okay yeah and it's going to be as hot as hell so that should be fun i'll be warm with it yeah yeah sort of mid-30s i think okay uh other news so my course on leadership styles is completely finished um, I was hoping it'd be out by now, but what I forgot to factor in was that Pluralsight has a complete week shutdown over oh, okay. um, July fourth. Do they, do so they have to sort of check everything? And yeah, uh, so there's final peer review. Well, the peer review's finished now, and there's you know final checks they do and building the trailer and all of that. Okay, yeah, so yeah. that should have happened last week. But obviously, everyone was off on vacation for the week, so that's that's now happening. So literally the next couple of days, that course should be out. Okay, oh, brilliant. Yeah, and other news. Well, nothing really much really. I was talking about the book that I was working on, Path to Freedom. I completely restructured it the other week. Okay. Because yeah. it was all in one just big one word document. It was getting a bit intimidating when I opened it. <laughs> yeah. So I've now split it out into eight different sections and there'll be about four or five chapters per section. Mm. And each chapter is a separate word file. So I've kind of split it all down and put a yeah. bit more of a solid plan in place, which just makes it a bit less intimidating to work on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading the drafts. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, part one, which is five chapters, is almost done. Is that all right? Okay. And I'm working on part two. And I've written various parts of the book elsewhere where I've recycled some material just to get it started. Okay. So, yeah, pretty good. Okay. Great. So, let's, uh, let's move on to the questions. So, they're in no particular order. Um, so, we'll just start. So, first one from George. Uh, I get that you're both not keen on social media apps on the phone. I think it's going to keep cropping up. I know, yeah. We're gonna, um, but I'm interested. I'm interested in what you consider as important apps. What what can't you live? So what can't you live without on your phone? Do you want to start? Um, yeah. To be fair, I, I, I'm not really a big fan of apps on my phone. You know, other than just you know, like having a web browser, an email. That's pretty much it. Really. You know, occasionally I take a photograph and I might use a timer to do a bit of you know time some exercises or cooking or something like that. But I don't really use any apps. Do you? Do you use is there any apps you can't? I'm a bit of a technophobe, really. You're like oh, looking yeah, at I've, 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 I'm completely opposite to you. I've even got my phone here to go through them. Oh uh, no, <laughs> I'm not gonna go through everything. You really do need one of those little uh, old people phones, didn't you? With the, I big, do, I, with yeah, the big buttons. I've seriously thought about getting one actually. I tend to use it as a phone as well. So that's one thing I don't like using my phone for. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's just a computer in my pocket. I don't actually Confused, want to talk to yeah. anyone on it. Um, so I use, I'm not going to go for absolutely everything, but I mean, I travel a lot, so I've got a travel folder. So Google Maps is oh, okay, invaluable yeah. when you're, yeah, up, when yeah, you're out enough. about. Uber, I know people don't like, a lot of people don't like Uber, but when you're in a city where hardly anyone speaks English and you can't speak their language and you need to get from point A to point B, uh, Uber is amazing. Yeah, yeah it has its uses. Uh, the Booking.com app, I use that to book hotels when I need to. It's okay. just fast and efficient. Trainline app, 
it's a big app in the UK for booking train tickets. Yeah, yeah. I use that all the time. Airbnb. My favourite is TripIt. I don't know if you've seen TripIt before. No, this no. is amazing. So when you book flights or someone books flights for you and, and hotels and train tickets, you forward all of the uh, receipts to a, spe to a special email address. And then what it does is it um, builds up an itinerary for you. Okay. So... Not, not that anyone can see this. I'm just showing Kevin now. This is my, like, this is my, this is my itinerary for Kansas. So you know, at five o'clock on Sunday, I set off on the train to Derby, train to Sheffield, then to Manchester Airport. I stay overnight at the Radisson, and then it just shows you the entire trip in there. So what flights are when, what the confirmation numbers are, where I need to be, what seat I'm in. Yeah, no, so that's good. Yeah, and also as well when you know, when you're at immigration trying to get into the US and I'm like, where are you staying? What's your itinerary? You just pull trip it up and just like show, oh, show them that. Yeah, yeah. So that's a brilliant app. Um, the Tube map, I use that all the time when I'm in London okay. for navigating around. And plus I've got like an app pretty much every airline out there. So Norwegian, EasyJet, <laughs> Ryanair. You got them all. So those are really, really good that I use all the so time. they're your travel apps. They're my travel yeah. apps. I've got finance apps as well. So things like, you know, Zero, which is what I do my accounting on. You know, various different banks and analytics for plural site. I, I, can do, uh, I, I yeah. do all that from my phone. This is like an alien world to you, isn't I know, it? I <laughs> know, I don't, I don't, I'm terrible. I'm terrible for technology. Reference apps, so a Riley bookshelf, which is like Netflix for technical books. Okay, yeah. Uh, Wikipedia, that Blinkist app that I was on about, the BBC News app, the Kindle app, Audible, they're all <laughs> essentials. You really need to install some apps on your phone. I don't have a Kindle app on my phone, which is bad. You haven't got the Kindle app on no, your phone? No, no. Oh, wow. Just use the Kindle. I'm terrible. I tend to just use the computer. Right? That's Kindle old school. Slack? Oh, you don't have Slack on your phone. I don't do have you? Slack on my phone, no. no. It's too, too social media-ish. <laughs> well, here's one for you then. There's, there's the phone. There's the phone. There's phone. <laughs> yeah, I use, yeah, <laughs> use it as a telephone. I use, I, use the, I use Safari. I use the internet browser. Does that count as an app? Um, yeah, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> so I've got productivity apps that I use as well. So Wonderlist, which is the to-do list app. Grammarly, which is a grammar checking keyboard when you're typing on the keyboard. Yeah. Om yeah. OmniFocus, which is what I use for productivity tracking. So they're the main ones I use. I just, I did you get, ever get anything done there? Oh, it's too much, too much to do just with the apps. Well, I, I don't use all the apps all the time. <laughs> But the ones that are there are useful. I mean, I'm not going to but I just don't. I wouldn't say I use them on a regular basis. So I've got loads really? of random apps, but you know, I very rarely use them. We're going to have to buy you one of those. Uh, I tell you, we're coming up to the <laughs> show's one year anniversary. I'll have to, I'll have to get you a little uh, old person's phone. Yeah, yeah, I want one. Massive rubber buttons. I've, I've seriously thought about buying one. Actually, I think when my phone contract expires, I'm thinking about having it just having like you know the old person's phone where it just you just just ring people and text people and that's it love the irony you run a software as a service company doing doing like <laughs> high-tech web stuff and uh you don't like don't like using a phone it's, it's well known it's well known that people know me well actually now i'm a real technophobe so you, you have a business partner who handles that yeah side, yeah that's my excuse yeah okay so next question then from uh someone called dustin really lower the tone this one oh, so yeah. he starts off by saying sorry for the morbid question that kind of sets it up nicely, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but have you considered what would happen if either of you were to pass away? Which is a valid point. So would, would business carry on as normal? Do you have contingency plans or succession plans? And that's something we've never really touched on before. Yeah, I mean, I have discussed it briefly with my business partner. We haven't got a whole load of plans in there. We've started, we're going to have a you know big meeting soon about having, you know, where passwords are kept for all the different services that we use and that kind of thing, you know, and what would happen in eventuality of one of us dying. I think... Generally, I think um, with companies, I think if you die, if there's nothing in place, I think your descendants inherit. So my children or my wife will inherit my kind of business interests, I suppose, when I die. Um, but I guess it's, it's it's one of those sort of things you know don't really think about, do you really? Or so I guess if you so I guess if you own the business fifty fifty with your business partner, then yeah. your fifty percent would go to your family. I think so. Yeah, I'm not. I, I think legally. I mean, I don't know how Nick would feel about that because obviously they couldn't really put the input into the business. You know, but I guess day-to-day so -day running wise, I mean, he he would be able to carry yeah, on running yeah, the business. Yeah, I think, it, yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be different. I think certain things would have to change. Like we probably couldn't do the phone support and certain, certain parts of the technical support would perhaps be, probably just do, I think what we'd sort of discuss was it would be a service, but probably with less support, but we'd still be able to offer a service. 
mm. but perhaps not offer the same level of tech support that we do now. Um, but yeah, no, it's a trick on really. I think I think it's probably hard to think about. I think some people do have contracts in place if they've got partnerships. I think mine's more tricky than yours because the partnership aspect of it. Mm. But what do you have any anything in place? Do you well, mine was a tricky one because I mean, obviously, you know, Pluralsight's my biggest client. You know, yeah. I don't work for Pluralsight. I'm effectively a contractor for them. I'm a freelancer. So their agreement is with me specifically. So I, I can't, you know, so I, I passed the audition. It's me that has to write the courses. It's, it's very much a personal brand thing. Yeah. So I couldn't sign a course with them and then just get someone else to build the entire thing for me. Because mm. that's not what they're, I, I suppose, that, that's, not, that's not what I signed up for. I suppose the revenue you get from your existing courses, I assume. Yeah. That so would still continue even if you existing. Yeah. Or. So existing courses, you know, my revenues get paid into a limited company. Yeah. So I guess, you know, ownership of that would transfer to my wife. Yeah. Should, should yeah. anything happen. But I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, if you're not building new courses constantly, I mean, you know, if you don't feed the machine as such, yeah, I, mean, I, I reckon those royalties would probably sort of dwindle over time. Mm, yeah, so. Should be a problem. So yeah, it's a bit, a bit more tricky with my one because there isn't really anyone who could carry on running the business as such because the, the explicit contract is between me and Pluralsight for me to build the courses. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can farm out bits of the course construction type of people if I wanted to, like, Video editing and yeah, building I think, slides I think and all that. Thought but. a bit, obviously. I mean, eventually, I'd like the business to reach a point where where I don't have to be involved in the day to day running of the business. I think that will be a game changer. I think when we yeah. reach, and I think that will happen. So I think in the future, it's gonna it's gonna grow. The business is gonna grow beyond just me and Nick. I think it's gonna grow to something bigger. But and that'll probably be different. I think you know if we can get to that point. I guess your the type of business you're running is, is a sort of business that would have value. That could be acquired by someone else potentially in the yeah, future if, yeah, if you wanted to go down yeah, that way. Whereas mine doesn't really do that. Mine's more of a lifestyle business. Yeah, I don't know. There might be something in it. I don't know. I assume you have like a, a load of assets that are sort of digital assets, don't you? Really, or hmm. I don't know how how that works. You know, but um, it's it's a trick one. It's, it's it's something I have to consider. I think, isn't it? You think about I don't know. Do you have like life insurance and that kind of thing? Or yeah, I mean, both me and my wife got life insurance policies set up. Missing, yeah, yeah. Which, which is you know quite a standard thing. I guess one thing I did, would need to do, which I haven't done, is you know if something was to happen to me, my wife would have no idea how to access bank accounts, you know, okay. the, the accounting system, who my accountant is, when reports are due by, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that stuff that would probably actually make sense in documenting. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps you need to think. Or maybe bringing my bring my wife on as a silent partner potentially. Yeah. It's probably things you could do, isn't there, to get at least have the information available so that people can access things and know what to do. And um, so, I quite like that question because no, I haven't really thought about that. But I think no. it's actually yeah, made it's, it's actually made me think I do need to write something down. It's a hard one, isn't it? You do you don't really think oh, I'm going to die tomorrow? <laughs> it could happen, though, couldn't it? You know, but it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think you have to be you know, personally get too carried away with like thinking of every possibility, you know. Um, but then I suppose you've got to protect your family, especially if you've got children and stuff, you've got to think haven't you about mm. these kind of things. It is quite painful, isn't it, though? Um, yeah. Yeah, thanks for that question. Yeah. <laughs> a bit depressed now. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do a more positive, yeah, happy this, one? Yeah, this one's, this so one's, this one's from well. a girl called Amy. So running businesses can be hard work. Uh, yes, yeah, they sure, can. Yeah, yeah. What do you do to unwind and relax, if anything? Um, yeah, I try to do a bit in the evening. I, I do a bit of mountain biking. That's my kind of. I think that's a good. good do ex exercise is always good for it, like relieving a bit of stress. And, mm, absolutely. And, 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 and so I do a bit of mountain biking. Uh, probably read, uh, watch television, uh, usual stuff really. I don't really play games. A lot of people play, do you play games too, or you're a gamer or? Well, I mean, not really. I mean, I spent nine years of my career working in the games industry, but I've. Not you know, the sort of games I used to play. You don't really get that many of them anymore, like adventure games and stuff. Okay, yeah. So I don't really do gaming. So I try to get exercise. I mean, I don't do mountain biking or anything, but I go out for lots of walks. Certainly in the evening, while the weather's nice like this. Yeah. The town that I live in is basically a massive hill. Oh yeah. So yeah, I've got loads cool. of little walking routes that I worked out that I do, which could be anything from ten to twenty-five thousand steps. Okay. Yeah. Or about nine yeah. miles. So yeah. I do that quite a lot, which is really good for de-stressing. Yeah, must be. I do like watching series, like TV series stuff on Netflix and things like that. Yeah, we'll watch. Yeah, watch a bit of Netflix or just just normal television. Um, but a lot of the time, when I get home, it's like 
you know, the kids at home from school. So you've got like homework, bathing the kids, getting the kids in bed, doing that too. Yeah, I think this is the problem. By the time you've done all that, you're almost like ready for bed yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's hard. I think it's hard with children, isn't it, to unwind and relax, but especially because we've got like a a five-year-old boy and it's like a battle to get to bed of an evening, you know, and it's by the time he's gone to bed, you kind of be a little bit. And plus we've got a baby as well, so we don't always get the, sometimes oh, yeah. the best so you're, of sleep. You're still in the uh, um, sleep-deprived so, phase. Yeah, it's not too bad. This baby's not too bad, but he tends to get up at like five in the morning, so it's not always great. So you're always kind of a little bit tired, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I mean, one thing me and sort of my family do is we've got these cards called Merlin cards or Merlin passes. What's that? So that the, you know, like Orton Towers and all the big things oh, okay. in, yeah, yeah. in the UK. Yeah. So they're, they're owned by a company called Merlin Attractions, and they do this uh, card that you can buy, which basically gives you unlimited access to all of their parks and events okay. around the country. Because you know, we only live like forty minutes from Orton Towers, so we go there quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going down there this weekend because my brother and his. I know you said you're a bit of a roller coaster junkie. Oh, I love roller coasters. Yeah. yeah. We've got my brother and his uh, new fiance coming up, and she's yeah. not overly keen on roller coasters. I, I must admit, I'm, I get like motion sickness. I'm terrible on. So my my, my, my daughter said to me last night, she goes, "Oh, we'd have to get Lucy and take her on this ride called 13. And the Thirteen's like it's kind of like horror. Is kid, it? Kid, oh, it's, okay. it's like a kids' roller coaster, but at the end, you go into this dark shed, all the lights go off, you hear loads of like cackling witches and <laughs> yeah. stuff, and then the uh, the tracks drop about twenty feet. Oh God, okay, yeah. And then the roller coaster goes backwards. Oh my god! Oh. So my daughter's like, "Oh, well, let's take Lucy on this ride, but not tell her about the drop." Oh no, that's that's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. this is gonna be hard. Yeah, yeah. She's not. She's not going to listen to this. That's fine. Yeah, no, that sounds. You know, I mean, I, I, I go to like my little boy was into like Thomas, Thomas the Tank Engine. So we used to go to like Thomas Land and stuff okay, like yeah. that. But yeah, do we do actually we do quite a bit of stuff for the weekend. We tend to go because we live near the Peak District. We tend to go into the Peak District, go for a walk or something. You know, when. Uh, me and Linda's mum had had the kids on on last Saturday. We went for a, a walk out in the country show and we went in you know, Lady Bower Reservoir. Oh yeah, up there it's quite nice. So we do bits of stuff like that. Um, so things like that are nice to relax, you know, sort of. to get away from it. I tend to like a not... historical useless fact. Isn't isn't Lady Bower Reservoir where they did the um, Dam Busters is, bomb yeah. testing? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, um, so that's where they tested the the Dam Buster bombs. Um, there, but yeah, no, it's, it's really nice uh, to do stuff like that. I think, and also, I tend to not like take my phone or anything like that, so I just have a break from it a little bit. So, I try yeah. not to be hooked up because the problem is that's why it's hard to unwind is because you're just so connected all the time. Are you too? Yeah, I normally have my phone with me, but I've actually gone through because a good trick for conserving battery on these phones is you can go into settings and you can say you can disable all background activity on any apps. Okay. So I normally emails constantly downloading, isn't it, in the background? Oh, yeah. You can go in and you can turn off background processes for all the apps. Oh, okay. And then you can go and turn off all notifications for all but like you know three or four apps, which really ekes out your battery life a lot more. Is it oh, okay? Yeah, that's good. So, Top tip. But, yeah. So I mean, I, I I tend to take my phone with me, but I'm quite good at just disciplining it with, with ignoring yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So yeah, exercise, reading, TV. And running around after children. children yeah. yeah, children, yeah. Yeah, I don't have much time to unwind and relax. So, yeah. In fact, after a weekend, I find coming back into the office on Monday morning <laughs> quite relaxing. It. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. I enjoy what I'm doing. I mean, like last night, I was, you know, putting the notes together for the, the shows we were recording today, but I quite enjoy that. So I was just sitting on the sofa with a laptop. Yeah, yeah, some things are nice, aren't they? Yeah, and whilst, it, whilst it technically nice. was work, I was quite enjoyed it, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I can relate to that. Okay, next one from Tim. So this is aimed more at me. Steve, do you get sick of traveling? Is too much of a good thing too much? It can be. So I've I've actually started cutting my traveling down a bit. Um, so May was quite a rough month. Yeah. Because I went to Minnesota, flew back, and then the next day I had to get the train down to London for a conference. And I had to come back for the weekend to actually, you know, see the family and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then get the train back down to London again. And that, you know, and I was constantly doing lots of things like that where I'm constantly traveling around. It's tiring, around. is it? It's all? tiring, it gets exhausting. So I'm actually trying to not do too much in the second half of this year. So I've got KCDC in the US next week. And and then no work travel at all in August. That's one of my rules because it's the okay. summer holidays for the kids. So we've got okay. our holidays and yeah stuff like that. And then the only other conference I've got booked is um, one in, I forgot where it is now, Sweden. Okay. Yeah. In November. So you intentionally had a, an easier summer then, or 
Yeah, in, in, I mean, I, I never do anything in August anyway, just because it's summer holiday. So I'm taking quite a bit of time off in August. Have you kind of learned from previous years when you feel like you've done too much. Yeah, so last time. last year was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, so it, was, it was fun. It was good fun, but the travelling does take its toll on you. Yeah, I can imagine especially when you get do. delayed flights and stuff like that. Oh, you're standing in the airport. Yeah, it's fed up. Yeah. So the, so the thing I'm not looking forward to about going to Kansas is um, sort of the route I'm going. I'm flying from Manchester to Dublin, and I've got a three hour stop in Dublin. And then I've got a flight, it's like a seven hour flight to Chicago, then a two hour wait, and then the third flight to Kansas. Oh, that's, yeah, that's... And I thought, two hours, that's, that's going to be plenty fine. But I've been told that Chicago is a bit of a nightmare airport to, to transit through. Okay, with like, with like yeah. massive queues. I'm now thinking, oh my God, what if I'm going to miss my flight? Oh, I'm going to make it in two hours. Hopefully there's enough time for you to get through. What do you tend to do with all, all the sort of travelling? Do you tend to work or read or what do you do? If it's a, a short flight, you know, two three hours i'll just read or yeah. watch something on my ipad when i fly to the us I, I tend to just get my laptop out and do some work so i've been you know drafting a lot of the chapters for my book i've been writing lots of notes for things that i can do without having an internet connection okay, so I'll, prob- yeah. I'll probably just blast through all of that while i'm on the plane yeah it's probably a good opportunity isn't it to get yeah so i put my headphones on put some music on just crack on with a load of work and then if you do that before you know seven hours just goes like that yeah um so yeah, the travelling can sort of take a toll a bit. Um, but you know, the point of me running this business, it's supposed to be kind of fun and more of a lifestyle business. But if you're travelling constantly, it's yeah, it doesn't doesn't become yeah. quite so fun. So yes, it can be a bit of a problem. Perhaps you say you learn from experience. Don't you? What is too much travelling and what works for you and what yeah. doesn't? But I've got two big two big conferences. I might do a few small user groups in the UK where I'm just away for one night. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I might do a few of those in the back end of this year, but I've purposefully not applied to any more events this year. Okay, yeah. So that's mostly so I can just get some work okay. done. Uh, oh, this next question was just kind of a bit random. It's more about how we produce the show. So from Dom, the show seems to have a low-end style radio sound. How do you get this? How do you get the podcast to sound like that? As I'm trying to do a podcast myself and I can't replicate it. So I, I don't know. Is it the, the kit that you use? That it's not so much a kit. So I mean, I use a tool called Ableton Live for editing everything together. So I'll go through the process quickly. So me and Kevin record what we're doing yeah. now. You know, we record two lapel mics into a, a Zoom H6 recorder. That's two channels of audio. Yeah. I then run both channels through a tool called Isotope RX, which is what I use for getting rid of all the background noise. Okay, yeah. So like the hum of the fridge in the corner and that dog bark in there, I'll probably try and... <laughs> skip that up and go. I'll, I'll remove. Then what I do is I copy those into a tool called Ableton Live, which is like a music production system. Yeah. I edit it all together, I cut out all the bad bits. Oh, yeah. And then what you do is you mix all those channels together, then those two channels go through what's called the master channel, which is like the channel it goes through before you export it. Okay, yeah. So what I do is I put various effects on it. One's called a compressor, where you get it gets both of the bits of audio, and what it does is it... This is going to sound... Trying to make it sound not complicated, but it's probably not going to do very well at this. It compresses the dynamic range, so it gets the, the quietest bits and the loudest bits. There's normally quite a big variance in the volume. Okay. And it yeah. squashes that dynamic range a bit. So there's not so much of a gap between the quiet and the loud bits. Okay, yeah. And then, then you push it through something called a brick wall limiter, which means you can really push the volume up without it peaking. That sounds really technical. <laughs> and then I run it through an EQ where I, I'll, I'll boost the bass slightly and then I'll cut out some of the high-end frequencies. Did you used to do a sound <laughs> I, used to, I, used to, I used to do lots of sound libraries. I know, music yeah, production. I yeah, this, is what, this is why I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then what I do is I run it through a really high-quality reverb where I'll just put a, ever such, such a small bit of reverb. Oh. It's a bit of a dead room, this you is. No, I, I don't appreciate all the work that goes into, into the... I've got, a te- I've got a template set up. So once a template's set up, I'll just drag the tracks in. I feel and quite guilty. I just come home and talk, you know. Uh, you have an opinion on something probably don't know a lot about as well a lot of the time so yeah that's what we do so it's uh, a compressor a limiter eq and then a very very small bit of reverb and i pan both mine and kevin's tracks slightly to the left and the right as well so you're sitting to the left of me so i pan you slightly to the left okay yeah perhaps i mean don if don't was the right. the really specifics perhaps you know you can reach out to you and you could perhaps explain maybe i could attach a screenshot of the uh of the, of the, yeah. the master channel yeah channics because there's a lot to that isn't it by the sounds of it I mean, it sounds like he's a you know he's used to using music production tools so basically it's i compress a dynamic range i push it through a limiter to bump the volume up without it spiking okay yeah uh, a little bit of reverb and eq and then i export it 
Yeah, yeah. Give away all the secrets. No. And yeah, so I used to do a lot of music and sound design stuff. That's how I know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, okay, this one's aimed at both of us. And so from Curtis, so what has been the biggest high and low points of running a business? Oh God, I think, um, yeah, it can be really stressful. I don't know if you've had this. I don't know if this might be relevant to me, you know, my circumstances, you know, but I found like there's been times where I've been like trying to transfer from doing a consultancy business into doing a, a product business. And there's been times where I've been like short on cash and that is really, really stressful. I think there's one point where, it's not so much when short on cash, it's when we're sort of, I was changing business partners and all the money was locked in the business and we couldn't take it out because of the process of the sale and everything. And it was just oh, after right, Christmas yeah. when, and Christmas is when you spend all your money and your family and stuff. And I'm the sole breadwinner for our family. And I remember going to a, um, a shop to buy, because I wasn't sleeping very well, I think because I was that stressed, I wasn't hmm. sleeping well. I went to go and buy some blackout curtains. Okay. And I got there and, and, and they like rejected my card. Oh no. <laughs> no God. And like, the only thing is I had money in the, in the bank, but the bank obviously thought it was a risk so they wouldn't like, let me take the money out of the account. Right. So I had to use like the business credit card to pay for the blackout curtains. <laughs> it was, and but it wasn't that bad at either. We had the money, the money was just all locked in the business because of this. Yeah, because I guess if, if, if you're changing partners, then I guess the amount of money they have to pay to, or the new partner has to pay to buy into the business is dependent on retained earnings yeah, in the bank account. Yeah, yeah. it's it kind of, and also the accountants were involved, so we couldn't really take, it was just, everything was in like a lockdown. It was painful, right. it was down for quite, you know, for quite a length of time, and it was kind of painful, actually. Um, it was just a real pinch point, but that is stuff like that, that I think it does, it makes you stressed, or situations like that make you stressed, and then you're, you're kind of snappy, and you're snappy with your partner and your family and stuff. It's 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 those sort of things that I find. I think they're the real low points. That sounds that sounds know. complicated. That stuff. Yeah, yeah it's it's nasty. Um, the other thing sometimes is 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 sometimes um, like having to have difficult conversations with people. That I mean, you, in some ways, it's better when you're on your own. I think sometimes when you when you have partners, sometimes or other people that you work with, and so if you you work with somebody and then you don't need them anymore, you know, you don't need to work with them, you know. If, uh, you know, having those kind of difficult conversations or, or like saying to consultancy clients, I don't no, no longer want to work with you or it's having those, they're really hard conversations. They are. I mean, they? when I used to be sort of more of a manager or a leader, I mean, one of the hardest parts about doing that job is that sometimes you have to manage people out of business. So if they're not yeah. performing very well, you've got to put them through one of those HR processes with the eventual yes. aim to manage them out. And that's always really stressful. Yeah. But when it comes to consultants, I've never had any problems telling consultants we don't need them anymore because that's yeah. come, come to the territory. Well, yeah, no, no, that's, that's fair enough. That's, that's why they get paid an exorbitant daily rate. Yeah, no, it's just, there's just certain sometimes, at some point in your business, you kind of, because it's not like just where you work somebody, like most companies have like a HR department that deal with a lot of these sort of things. But as a, when it's your, your business, you're kind of controlling everything. I find those situations quite stressful when you have yeah. to have difficult conversations with clients or whatever, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's not anybody else's responsibility, it's yours. And I, I find that quite difficult. I don't know if you're like that, you know, people are, can be a bit of a problem sometimes, you know. You can be, but luckily I don't, I don't know how to interact with too many people. Yeah, you know, you're lucky, <laughs> yeah, you're sensible, yeah. Um, but I find that difficult. And yeah, and I find it, it can be stressful. Um, I think the high points are is when just everything goes well, you know, and it, it's it's like last month we had this this great month where we performed a lot better than the month before and it's like, oh, this is our best month ever. And it's, yeah, that's it's good. things like that, that's that's really nice. And I guess when you've got a, a new product you've been working on for ages and then suddenly you sort of set it free and- Yeah, yeah, I, I feel, I feel we're in, a, we're in a, a much better place now, you know, than we were, you know, and it's it, that's nice, it's nice to feel like that. I don't know, what, what are your sort of high and low points, would you say, or? Uh, low point, I mean, I'm not sure if it was a low point as such, but certainly the scariest point was when I first made that commitment to quit my job and do this full time. You think, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, at the time, I don't think my wife was 100% on board with the idea. She kind of, she was on board with it, but she was yeah. very, very nervous. I think it's that anxiety about me doing it. it. Yeah. It was, it's change, isn't it? It's like a fear of change. You know, you go yeah. from something that's where you're getting a, you know, regular known salary. <laughs> yeah, to not doing that. Yeah. To, to then not. So I had the... Uh, the added stress of like, well, am I going to let, you know, am I going to let, am I going to let her down in the process? So, yeah. so that that was that was really. I did have a discussion with my, with my wife this morning about about this, and she said, um, you always feel like you've got that uncertainty when it's your own business. But I said, with a job, you have that, but sometimes you don't feel it when you have a job. You don't, you're not kind of aware of the risks, are you? Where if it's your own business, you're kind of more aware of 
the potential risks, aren't you? Then what was that? What was that book that we did a discussion on? End of jobs. End of jobs. Was it where they're saying about you're like when you're in a full time job, you're like being fed up like a Christmas turkey. Yeah, and you don't know one day all of a sudden you you might not have that job, but you're not kind of aware of it. You don't know what's happening. Whereas if it's your own business, you're kind of more. Yeah, well, aware, that, it's, it's, it's very it's very easy to say that when you've made the jump, but I guess when you have when you haven't made the jump. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so it's like you, you can you can read the words, but actually sort of making that commitment to leave a job because you know the situation I was in, you know, I was earning a very good salary. And I was earning good royalties through Pluralsight. So you, yeah, basically like something like two incomes then, yeah. Yeah, so I was doing really well at that point. So, but you know, I then took the decision, well, I'm now going to give up this really good salary and just hope that I can <laughs> but, release enough content and grow what I'm doing to sort of make up for that. Which, 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 which it, you know, I did and it worked out, but it, yeah, I lost sleep about it for yeah. a bit. Like, you know, is this really the right thing to be doing? I think it's the pressure, isn't it? I think you feel the pressure more when it's your own creation, you know, or your own work in a way that you wouldn't if it was if you were just part of a team you know in a normal job you know yeah i mean what i did to sort of set my wife at ease a bit is i said you know i'll go from earning you know x amount at this company i said when i go to do my company full time i'm going to pay myself exactly the same salary as what i was mm-hmm. on in my last job so from her point of view of you know going into the joint account she'll see exactly the same salary coming in it's just the company name will be different yeah yeah so there's no no change for her so then. we kind of did it that way and that kind of uh, made it easier so yeah, that was quite stressful. I mean, in terms of highs of doing the job, well, you know, the good bits, you know, doing what I'm doing now has kind of opened up lots of really cool speaking opportunities, which has been great. It's, okay. it's meant that I can go and travel to different places. So I've really enjoyed doing that. That's been a definite high. Um, but also, you know, when you, when you finish a course, which you spend a ridiculous amount of time working on, because it's like writing a book every time you do one of these oh, courses, because yeah, yeah. everything's scripted out. So the course I've just done on leadership styles, I mean, it was 27,000 words. Wow, yeah. yeah and so it's a book. It's about it? a one hour, 40 minute course. So it's a huge, huge amount of work. And then all building all the slides, recording all the footage, editing, post-processing, writing questions. A lot goes into it. So then when you actually finally see it coming out and you actually start seeing people watching it. Oh, that's a nice feeling. And you start getting the ratings yeah. coming through. People leave nice comments. People even tweet about it and say that the course is good. And that's really nice when that happens. Yeah, I think it's nice. That's just one of the high points is, is releasing something and you know that that's good work, you know, or it's a good, you know, we obviously do software products, but I'm quite proud of some of the stuff that we've done. You know, it's really nice stuff. Yeah. You know? And you always have that nagging doubt. I mean, I always find when I get about halfway through a course, every, no matter what course I do, every single course that I write, you get halfway through and you start thinking to yourself, is this any good? Is it a bit short? <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, actually, we, we're recording our next episode after this one's going to be on imposter syndromes. That kind of feeds yeah, into that. Yeah, we, we, we think you're a fraud. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, something that I suffer from for sure. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, that, those are kind of the low, the low point. I think sometimes there's been times when I've released products and bit, I've had like business ideas and tried things that didn't work out, or sometimes when. Somebody, you know, get a negative comment online about something that you've done. I'm not been too bad for what I do because it's fairly inoffensive, I suppose, what I do. But I get the odd, the odd thing, you know, and it's kind of like it kind of knocks you for, a, you know, half an hour and that's it and you forget about it, you know, but it's still quite annoying. I try not to read comments online. So one example is I've got a talk which I do on a technology called Azure Key Vault. It's about storing encryption keys okay, in Microsoft yeah, Azure. Yeah. It's a fairly technical talk. It's been quite popular. I've done it at lots of conferences. And one of the companies I did a talk for, uh, NDC conferences, they, they post the videos on YouTube. Oh, okay. So <laughs> yeah. there's lots yeah. of different versions of this talk on YouTube. And you know, you look at some of the comments and then someone will say, this is rubbish, absolutely pointless. Because they just, just have trolls. Yeah, then, yeah. you know, two comments down, this is the best talk I've seen all year. Yeah. Really helpful. Thank it's you. Hard so, to, it's yeah. hard to say that this morning because we were looking at YouTube videos for potential marketing, you know, as a marketing strategy. And I looked at a video we posted about two years ago and I was only really looked at it and like this morning there was like some trolley comments on it. I thought, I'm not even going to respond to that because that's just, just like, you YouTube's, know. yeah, especially really bad thought, for oh, trolls. Yeah, and I thought, oh, no, I'll just ignore that. Yes. Since people can get a little bit of anonymity, then they just... They just <laughs> Troy, Troy, Troy talked about that in his interview, saying, you know, you get people talking to you online, which they just would not do in real life. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, it's wrong, isn't it? So, okay, yeah, so uh, Lowe's name was fairly similar, so finances is always a struggle to start think, with. Yeah, I think that's a stress. I think it gets easier. Like At the moment, we're doing reasonable, so I kind of feel less pressure with that, you know. So that's that's it gets it can get easy you know um 
But I think it's always the worry, I think, isn't it? It's, it's, I think you carry it more personally, don't you, in, in a way that you wouldn't if you just worked somewhere. That's yeah. From my experience. Please, even if you do, if you make a mistake, it's your mistake to make. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think Whereas if you do uh, well, it's, it's your success. I did say like, it's good that you get to, it's kind of like an ego thing, isn't it? Where you think my way of doing things is better than someone else's way of doing things. So, so like, I get to decide like how my software works and what I think is right in the world, <laughs> you know? So it's quite nice, you know? Yeah. Got big-headed, really, but yeah. I know, I, as I said before, I'd be an absolute rubbish em- employee anywhere now. <laughs> really? If, if, if I was to go, yeah. back and be a, to go back into a full-time job. There's a company I know in Derby, and I was talking to someone who works there, and they were sort of saying about, you know, you should come, come and work for us. They were like a security company. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you don't want me to come work for you. I'll be terrible. Um, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so used to doing things my own way now. I think I'd struggle I, to... I think, yeah, I think it'd be a challenge now. Okay, so next person wanted to remain anonymous, but Steve, you talk about speaking at conferences as part of your marketing strategy. Are you able to measure the effects on your business and course views? Okay. Great question. Short answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Yeah, so like a spike then after a conference or? Not really, because I mean, there's, I mean, if you look at each individual course, I mean, you, you tend to get quite a lot of variability in views, but then look, you know, it's 19 courses I've got now on Plural site, so that kind of variability kind of disappears when you look at it as a whole. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. You, know, you know, if I was to do a talk in front of 500 people at a conference, do I notice a big spike? Well, no, not really, because they're at a conference, they're not going to suddenly go home and watch my courses. Okay, yeah. So in, in terms of, you know, immediate impact, no, I don't. But the thing I get from it is, if I'm doing a talk and people enjoy the talk, they're going to remember my name. Yeah, it's and Pluralsight is so big now. I mean, Pluralsight is literally eating up the industry. Yeah, which which, which is amazing for for us authors. So when you go to these conferences, especially if it's a Microsoft based event, chances are seventy percent of people in the room at the time are going to have a Pluralsight license, either personally or through their company. Okay. So if you can just make people remember your name, then they see your name pop up on like the new courses list, or you can get them to click the follow button on your profile on there, which means they get notified when a course comes out. Okay. That's kind of that's yeah. kind of what it's you're aiming like for. Raising the awareness, isn't it? So, it, so it is, yeah, it's, it's more of an awareness. I don't see any direct financial correlation to speaking at a conference. Yeah. To, Perhaps it to might be in the long run, you know, over, you know. Maybe, but I mean, that's not really why I do it. I do it just to, you know, so that people remember who I am. Yeah. So yeah. that hopefully in the future they'll go, and, you know, find some of my courses interesting. Yeah. The other reason is I just like travelling. <laughs> <laughs> I like going to conferences. It's good fun. Yeah. No. No. Do it. No, I spend most of my time sitting in a room by myself working, so it's nice to go back out and sort of and speak to the people that you're kind of doing yeah, this stuff for. Yeah, those real interactions, yeah. Uh, another one, someone who wanted to remain anonymous. I've called them Anon2 in the notes. Anon2, yeah. Um, have you ever considered virtual assistance from cheaper economies such as the Philippines to help automate tasks? Um, not really, no. Um, is this something you've done or have you? It's not, no. I mean. I've done a bit of research into it because when you do Kindle publishing, um, you can hire virtual assistants in like the Philippines or Singapore or something like that, who actually specialise in Kindle book marketing strategies. Yeah. So you can get them to do specific jobs like that for you to sort of automate a lot of the, yeah, I mean, the marketing I've, stuff. But I've, used, I've, I've never actually used them. Yeah, I've used people per hour to do various different projects over the years, but I've never hired anybody. I mean, I do have a. Um, so we do support and they're based in, in, in Greece, but they're not especially cheaper or, you know, it's no. not, I employ them because they're, because of their expertise, not because of the cost, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I have um, used um, freelancers in other countries. So the person who wrote the theme tune for this podcast was based in Belfast. Okay. Uh, the person who designed the logo was based in Chennai in India, I think. Okay. A graphic designer out there. Yeah, that's cool. And the person who's done a lot of the book covers for my um, small book series on Amazon. They were in. I've forgotten the name of the country now. How bad's that? Is that Eastern European country? I've forgotten the name now. <laughs> One of them. I can't remember. Um, but you know that I speak to them quite regularly because they they kind of build all of those covers for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I've used people in different countries on like a gig basis yeah, but, but not not as not as a virtual assistant as such no i haven't i know because it's, it's discussed a lot in the like the four-hour work week um uh, you know and i, I kind of if you can get it to work but i i tend to what the sort of work we're doing is quite technical work so i tend to hire for expertise rather than for cost you know but we don't really do any easy 
tasks, you know, that you could automate out. Yeah. They're, they're all kind of like, basically it'd have to be you know, about structural design, you know, so. No, I, I can't think of a need of why I'd need a receptionist or an assistant or a PA or anything like that. I'm not. Yeah, it's probably better to try and use technology if you can rather than yeah. a person, you know. I wouldn't be against it, you know, if there was a particular, you know, a need for, for some, you know, to hire somebody, you know, I'd perhaps look on Upwork or whatever. I mean, there's one like piece of work that we did on the steel beam calculator and uh, my previous business partner had a work with somebody in India. So we had some development work done in India, but, but it was only like one small task, you know, really. Um, but we haven't really used virtual assistants in a big way. Um, so not really, no, I don't think really really help with that really yeah I'm not so against the idea you know I think it's, it's a good idea intentionally I haven't so, that, so there's ones who specialise in doing Kindle book marketing and promotion okay, I've heard yeah. about but I've, I've not really researched it or looked into it yeah so that they can just like run marketing campaigns and sort out Amazon marketing services and stuff like that for you yeah I can imagine on, ongoing there's probably certain I mean I prefer to use somebody is like in our time zone because it's easier to communicate you know on a, mm. on a sort of real time basis you know so I can imagine if you if you're dealing with somebody else in a different time zone, that you probably have some more difficulties with communication. Well, saying that, I'm looking to hire a book editor to help with the uh, the book I'm doing, and there's a few people I'm talking to, and one of them's based in Perth in Australia. Okay, yeah, I can't get yeah. much further than that. No, no, I started just quite a remote place. To, there's a, I went to I worked from Harlem Art Space, and on Monday afternoon we went for a walk, and there was a an artist there, and he was from the Philippines. Right, I showed him around, and sort of like I was trying to be the tour guide and explain what everything was, you know, in the UK, you know, so I found that quite interesting. But yeah, but now I've not hired anybody from the Philippines. Okay, so this next question is quite a serious question. This one. Okay, yeah. I hope you need to be careful how we answer this one. I know, this is a tricky one. So, chap called Dale. Um, I really want to start my own freelancing business, but I have a huge amount of loans and credit card debts that I'm really struggling to keep control of. Would I be mad to go freelancing? I really want to do it, but the amount I'd need to earn to cover my outgoings is scaring me. Yeah, that's this is a, a real tricky one. I mean, uh, obviously, I'm not. It's not a problem I have myself, you know. I'm not a financial expert, but yeah, I mean, the easy answer is to say, oh, you, you should pay off all your debts first and then do it. But realistically, yeah. that's that's not gonna, that's not practical, is it? That's, I mean, I know there's things you can do to consolidate your debts. I'm not I'm not a financial expert, so but I know that you can sort of like get all your credit card debts and put them into a lump. If, you know, basically taking out a lower interest loan to yeah, yeah to pay. So yeah, you can I mean, look at that. They used, to be quite, they used to be quite popular in the UK, didn't they? Because you used to get these like, credit cards that are about 19% APR. I'm not sure what the percentages yeah, are these days. Yeah. But then you could take out a loan with a bank, which might be at, say, 7% over five years, and then you just pay off all the credit card debts at the higher interest rates and then have a smaller interest rate loan. That could be something you could do, but I mean... I mean, pro probably what the other option might be is to keep your job and do freelancing on the side if you have any spare time. I don't know how much, you know, how much resources Dale has. In terms of extra time, could they do something at the weekend or at nights or something like that, and then they can get extra money in from their freelancing work to pay their help yeah. pay their debts off. That might. Did you say that's how you started off? Didn't you say you went part time? Yeah, I, I, I worked. I worked a full time job, and then I used to just work at nights and, and weekends. It was just to test the idea out before I went full time. Yeah. So that all the option is perhaps. Um, I don't know if, yeah, do that build up the freelancing work to a point where you know that you've got some kind of security. If you build it up on the side, then you can build up your freelancing work. And if you know it's going to easily cover your salary and some, yeah. it's probably no more risky than just doing your day job, really, isn't it? At a certain yeah. point, it just depends, doesn't it? I know, I know the conventional wisdom is, you know, try and get your outgoings as low as you can. But say, if, if you are struggling with a lot of debt, then that's not going to be, that's not going to be, yeah, it, might be good to, it might be good to do a bit extra, at the, you know, do some freelancing work. In, in, if you have any spare time, I don't know. Obviously, we say we say we don't know the context of Dale's situation. He, he, gave, he gave no indication as to how much time that they that he was have. talking about. But I mean, yeah. you know, I'd maybe consider looking at refinancing to a lower interest rate loan that's yeah. maybe stretched yeah. over a longer period of time. But I mean, I would see a financial advisor or or talk to someone. First yeah, it's, it's, it's a trick on really, yeah. Because this is not financial advice. We're not financial advisors. And no, <laughs> I don't want to be liable for somebody's horrific debt. But yeah, no, it's, it is a tricky one. I think I think what I'd probably do is I think do everything again to try and get rid of the debt and then perhaps do freelancing work on the side because that might help, you know, obviously get on, of, uh, get on top of your finances as well, you know. Yeah, so just take a very gradual approach to doing and it. Then, and then build up the freelancing work on the side to the point where you know that it can 
not just cover your outgoings, but more be, you know, if it's, if you can earn twice as much freelancing than what you can from your day job, you know, you might actually be better off freelancing than doing yeah. your day job potentially. So, and that would probably help you get down your debts as well. So it just depends, doesn't it? Yeah, but if, but if you was going to refinance, any of your debt, I would, I would do that while still employed. Because if you suddenly, oh, if, yeah. if you suddenly become self-employed, then a lot of banks or loan companies probably won't go near you. Yeah, perhaps it's best to keep your job and perhaps just do freelancing on the side at least initially, and that that kind of helps in all respects, doesn't it? Yeah. Help you get down, help you get more money to control your finances, and it will also obviously have that job security to get the loan as well. I mean, you know, years ago, when me and my wife first got together, you know, we, we both had typical student debts and car loans yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And at one point, we, we, we did exactly that. We refinanced some of our debt from higher interest credit cards down onto like a lower interest rate loan. Yeah, yeah, it makes and, sense. And then once we'd done that, so that meant more of the money we was paying was actually going off to paying off the balance, not just the interest. Oh, okay. And then we, yeah. then we started gradually overpaying each month until we cleared all those off. Yeah, yeah. I think you need some kind of discipline on you, I think, with with getting rid of the debt but yeah I mean ideally you'd want to be debt free before you sort of get off on your own but it, it, I can't see it's as hard the problem with the freelancing is if it's like depends on how well you're getting paid and how certain you are with the freelancing work whether mm. it's kind of like dribs and drabs but you're not getting you know it's really uncertain income you know that's why I'm better off doing it on the side you know at yeah. least initially anyway keep it as a side hustle yeah yeah if you can yeah cool that was a good question that one and and I wish Dale all the best. Mm. So the last one then, so from Samantha. So do you ever feel like you are not worthy to run your business or not good enough? Has it ever caused you problems with progress? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, we're actually in the next podcast we're going to do is a thing called imposter syndrome, which is I suppose going to go into this in, in more mm. detail. But yeah, all the time I think um, you get this thing where you think, oh, I, I'm not the expert in this and... Yeah, it's odd because you can become the expert, you know, you can research stuff, you can get the information. It's just knowing where to look, isn't it, sometimes? It's, yeah. It is hard, though, yeah. I think sometimes you sometimes do feel like a fraud or you have to learn stuff as you go. Um, it's, it's really hard, isn't it? How do you how do you feel about this, Steve? I, I think I think anyone who does anything, you know, any kind of job or anything remotely creative is going to think that at some point. I remember the first conference talk I did. You know, it's a fairly big conference, probably just under 200 people in the room and, like, yeah, the two hours before I was due to go on stage and doing it, I'm think, I was like pacing up and down thinking, what the hell have I done? Okay, yeah, How have yeah. I got myself into this situation? They're going to find out that I'm a complete fake. You know? <laughs> complete fraud, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got all these other like massive big name speakers on the bill, and then you've got me about to rock up and do some security talk. So, like, oh, oh my God. No. Yeah. But you know what? It went actually, it went, it went fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah, it's just that worry though, isn't it? It is, and I think everyone gets it to a degree. It's about how you manage it. But so we're going to talk about this in the next episode. Yeah, I don't, not talk too much about it, obviously, because we're going to go into great detail about the subject. Um, but it's, it's never actually caused problems with progress as such. Always get stuff done. But it has slowed things down a bit sometimes. But I think, you know, on days where I've, I'm having a day like that, where I'm thinking, you know, this isn't going too well, or I'm, I'm not good enough to do this, I just take the rest of the day off. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. We kind of have that freedom. just get tired. I think sometimes you do need to sort of think afresh don't you you know take a break and come I mean, back last week refreshed. when i last week because my wife was away on like a mini break with some friends so i just i just stayed at home all week i didn't bother coming into the office and on monday and tuesday i just finished off a few bits and pieces with my course yeah and the rest of the week because i was quite fried after doing the course i didn't really do much i just kind of took the week off yeah yeah i think sometimes you can get burnt out from things can't you i think sometimes you have to Ended up sorting out the front garden. Yeah. <laughs> this much from gardening. Oh, no. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> no, <laughs> Too much hard work. Yeah. Great. Okay. So thanks to Simone for that question. So that's kind of it for questions. Yeah. Quite a few there. Some really interesting ones. Yeah, some good ones. Uh, so on to recommendations before we wrap up. So... What would you like to recommend? Uh, yeah, I mean, I tend to listen. It's a lot of the stuff I recommend is stuff that's relevant to me, so it might not be relevant to you, our, our listeners. But I listen to a podcast called Rogue Startups, okay, and it's by two guys called Dave and Craig, and they both have like um, sort of software businesses. So it's kind of similar to what I do, and they obviously go into 
and sort of explain the things that they're working on because they kind of a lot of the problems they have the similar problems to what I have right um, but no it's worth, worth listening to you know um, the only thing I worry about is that it's probably more relevant to me and where I'm at in my business than possibly our listeners but do check it out and, and have a look okay. um, there's some some useful stuff on so there similar, similar style podcast what we do uh, kind of yeah yeah so they they've the, got sort of, the competition uh, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just it's just interesting because I tend to listen to it and I think, oh, you know, when they say stuff and you think, oh, you know, I've had the same problem or yeah. you know, there's some of the things they talk about, the same things. So I kind of can relate to it, you know. This is a, another podcast I need to listen to. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, add it to the um, to the list. Cool. Okay, so my um, my uh, suggestion is or my recommendation is an app called Poc. Okay. Yeah. P O C K. It's at a website called Poc.dev. So this is only really relevant if you're running a an Apple Mac or MacBook Pro laptop with a touch bar. But a lot of people complained about the touch bar being a bit useless and they didn't like it. Yeah. Personally, I quite like it. If you take the time to learn the shortcuts on it, it's actually really good. But but a lot, <laughs> but, but a lot of people don't like it. But there's this app called POC, okay, which um, yeah. turns your touch bar into an application dock. So okay. normally on a Mac, I'm sort of showing Kevin here, you have like the application dock there where you put your applications. Whereas what POC does is it basically turns the touch bar into a, an application dock so you don't, oh, so you don't have to have yeah. a dock on the screen that's pretty cool yeah my wife's got a macbook pro which hasn't got the one with a touch bar on it but it's quite cool there yeah, yeah. so you have all your apps on here and you can just you know click on them and they load up it's a simple little app but yeah i quite no, like it that's nice yeah. and a lot of people who traditionally absolutely hate the touch bar have actually said no, actually this dock thing's pretty cool that's probably what it should be anyway shouldn't you think about it yeah I, I, the, now Apple's probably seen this I'll probably just rip it off and yeah uh, yeah they should do, and do yeah. it themselves yeah, that's what it uh, this app it's completely free it doesn't cost anything um, I did actually send 10 euros to the guy because yeah, nice. I, I quite yeah. liked it so I sent he's got a little uh, thing where you can send a small payment that's nice yeah so I just sent 10 yeah. euros his way as a, as a thank you that's pretty cool but yeah poc.dev turns your touch bar into an application dock yeah yeah, check that out. I'll probably get loads of abuse from people saying, ha ha, you like the touch bar. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't mind the keyboard on the Mac as well. Oh, yeah, so low it. travel? Did I've said low it. Travel? Is it. Has it got really... Well, it's, it's quite low travel, but... It's okay. Yeah. A lot of people say they don't, that the keyboards aren't very good because if you get dust under it, then the keys stop working. But yeah, I've, never, I've never had that problem because I, I keep did, my machines clean. I managed to break the one on Linda's MacBook Pro because um, it was dirty, so I cleaned it. Right. <laughs> but luckily it was it was it had a um, there's like a recall on the keyboard anyway because it was somewhat more unresponsive so she got it replaced anyway for okay anyway because it was it had been recalled anyway so just as well because i managed to break it <laughs> by cleaning it too hard by pressing the buttons too hard uh but that made you popular yeah no no okay so uh on that admission from kevin yeah no just apple Let's, uh, that. Don't hear that. i didn't hear that Let's call it a day on this episode. So uh, thanks a lot, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Bye.